Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts. They got a new one I'm really enjoying called Best Show Ever and a whole bunch of other stuff going on over there at OsirisPod.com. Today, we're going to talk about The Creator, the American science fiction film produced and directed by Gareth Edwards of Rogue One fame, who co-wrote the screenplay with Chris White's. The film stars John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson, Allison Janney, and Madeline Yuna Voiles in her film debut. Set in 2055 after nuclear detonation in Los Angeles and a war against artificial intelligence, an ex-Special Forces agent is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war. It's a fascinating film with a lot of interesting facets to break down. And to do that, I have with me back on the program, author, podcaster, film enthusiast, Douglas Grant. All right, Doug, welcome back to the party. Great to have you back on the program. How are you doing? Doing well, Mike. Great to be back. All right. This is exciting. This is a fun one. I know we both uh, enjoyed the film. It's funny, though. I am seeing some... um, and I'm surprised about this. I'm seeing some mixed reviews out there. I was, you know, it's one of those things where I should probably stay away from those reviews, anyways. Um, and you know, I was on I was on a Roger Ebert's page today, and he was, it's uh, just right along the top. It was, um, you know, uh, you seen lines like rich on atmosphere, short on substance, and you know, recycled ideas. And I'm just walking. I'm just thinking about how I felt when I walked out of this film and I was kind of like, just, that was incredible. I loved that. I loved every minute of it to start out. I'd love to hear your general thoughts on the film. what do you think? what do you take away from it? Uh, uh, what's your feeling on it? Well, I agree with what you say completely. Cause I, from the outside of the trailers, I was like, Oh wow. Aesthetically, this movie is going to grab me. I can see influences from some of the stuff I like. Yep. And this, and with Gareth Edwards attached, I'm like, I, this is going to be a good movie. Then I went and saw it and I left feeling like, wow, that was mind blowing and it's visuals. It had a great story that, you know, emotionally gripping. And yeah. I like you was really surprised to see the reviews, not like very lukewarm if, yeah. if at best tepid at worst. Uh, that really surprised me because I thought this movie really had it all. It had action, it had heart, it had um, really good commentary on where we're going as a society. Oh, so I, I was trying to make heads or tails of where those reviews were coming from. Yeah, it's funny. Um, not to kind of start out my general thoughts by throwing sh- shade, but um, I feel like this movie is kind of what I expected uh, Neil Blomkamp to make uh, after after he made uh, District 9. I mean, the aesthetic was there. I thought he had the thing. I mean... The looks, the um, you know, the whole thing just looked amazing. I mean, he went on to make such classics as uh, as Chappie <laughs> and Elysium. Um, but I mean, the look was so amazing to me. I like initially, I like you. I was kind of sold before uh, before he came out. I've been dying. I've been waiting for Gareth Edwards' films. It's been seven years since Rogue One, and Rogue One, you know, it's it's it has the heart of so many of our Star, uh, Star Wars fans and. 
many are starting to look at it as like one of the best. I mean, it's held up with the uh, original trilogy with a lot of people I know. Um, the trailer was so strong. The posters were so strong. I was even sold immediately when the movie started when they had that kind of old um, old school robots intro where they're, they're like firefighters. It felt like you were like at Epcot. But um, I just, it just, I was, I was really, really taken by the look of it first and foremost. But, uh, you know, I do kind of understand those, those, those thoughts about something, uh, talking about recycled ideas. Cause I mean, all the tropes are present here. It's the hero protecting the chosen one. I mean, kind of the Pedro Pascal of it all with, um, you know, you could look at you know, what John Connors and, you know, the kid, not, kid in um, uh, Midnight Special. I mean, we got ro robots versus humans, uh, AI gone mad. But for me, it just felt more elevated than that. And, um, you know, I, I was curious if you had any problems with those tropes being present there or presence with kind of these uh, very seen before plot points, because that, that is that is a that is a fair criticism. But to me, it felt like it elevated above that. Well, I mean, I partly think it's almost unavoidable at this point with storytelling, especially in science fiction. I mean, we've seen oh. so many great classic stories been told before. And also, I tended to look at it less as tropes and more as uh tributes i could mm. see like and i went i went digging afterwards to find out what influences were present in this movie i had my suspicions okay. but um yeah. you had everything from apocalypse now to akira to blade runner um and lone wolf and cub so i you know maybe some of the stories we've seen before have been repackaged here but there was enough uh fresh air breathed into this that it i, I saw more as homage than i saw as tropish absolutely that's a great that's a great thing trope uh tribute instead of tropes i actually really like that line yeah gareth himself described it as a melting pot of all the films he grew up loving you nailed every single one of them uh except one he had in that that i haven't seen and kind of surprised me it's a film that came out in 1992 called Baraka, B-A-R-A-K-A. And it's a, it's a doc with no uh, narrative or voice, voiceovers that kind of just shows life and people living and, and natural, natural events. It was shot in 24 countries over 14 months. I need to check that out. I saw, I saw some clips of it, um, but it, it clearly, it's, 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 I like that idea of a hat tip. I mean, the Blade Runner scenes are obvious, which ones the apocalypse now of it all, I think is really interesting to note because I mean, you got these beach scenes and these kind of, um, you know, the Americans attack on this uh, uh, pan Asian nation was kind of, you know, felt ripped out of a Vietnam war or something like apocalypse now. And I even think Rogue One had a bit of feel of that on the beach scenes as well. They kind of felt similar to me and in, in, in a good way. I think where it really elevated um, above what it could be is the commentary, which you mentioned already. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts because you can harp on the AI of it all and that's definitely there. But I mean, I think what we're dealing with here is more kind of the, the, the AI could kind of be uh, stood in for the other, the other person, the other culture, the other people. And the way, you know, uh, the other is treated by, by some government and governments and the lengths that some governments will go to uh, take out others, take out that other. Um, I mean, here we have a false flag operation. That's something that you'll see time and time again in history or modern world um, used to to take out the other for control, for power, because of greed. Um, 
And that's what we're dealing with. I thought that commentary really, you know, you, I know we're looking at robots here, but I mean, I was seeing a lot of what uh, just, just the other, just the other person, whether it's, it's, it's cultures, countries, whatever that really got me. What, what, what in the commentary really stood out to you? Well, I read an article that interviewed Edwards and he said that they had, you know, started working on this pre pandemic and that that's exactly what they were going for. The other. Really? Yeah. And, oh, cool. And commenting on that and ai was what he chose but ai hadn't re- like w- ai is all on our face now but a few years ago it wasn't and so that's yep. what he chose and then the pandemic yeah, this came. has been in the works for a while i'm sorry to interrupt you Rod, but this this project's been in the works for a while yeah so they're working on it pandemic comes delays production and then when they're going to post-production i guess he's in hollywood and he's seeing the screenwriters strike and they're protesting ai and he's like oh yeah. wow this like <laughs> This is real. This is we've yeah. caught up to at breakneck speed. We've caught up to exactly what was what just he was going for. our science yeah. fiction objective. So yeah. he, he was kind of floored by that. Um, but yeah, I guess. And also there's also it was deliberate in the way he set it up that like you, the viewer, are supposed to be very anti AI because of the way it's portrayed. And then the bomb the hits yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, the movie has to progress and unfold for you to start to have AI, the AI garner your sympathies. Totally. The sympathies was really intense, I thought, um, for the Mads, because as you mentioned, it was a gradual uh, uh, tug at that, and it definitely hit hard. I mean, first off, they were fully personified. You know, they, they, I mean, they're kind of writhing in pain at certain points when they're dying. We had one that was smoking, which is really, really interesting. Um, you know, and all evidence suggests after you kind of, in hindsight, and, and the whole, you get to see the whole film, that they wanted to live in harmony and the nuclear bombs were actually uh, most likely human error. I mean, it was kind of the robot abuse you're seeing when they're using them as suicide bombers. I mean, that was tough to watch when you st- start to see them in your mind as, as personified or as a living being. Um, you know, I mean, even I, I think about this scene a lot where um, the big giant tanks are coming in through the forest. They felt like these big monsters to me, which I thought was cool. It felt like Godzilla or King Kong type monsters. But I mean, that that sympathy really, really got me as as the film progressed. I mean, you can certainly, I would certainly be found at an anti-nomad uh, protest. You know, that they were showing the protest and you, there's no doubt I, I would be there. And I think that was something that was, that was really neat. I, I just love, um, Kind of these unique details and things like that. I mean, that's the that's the, that's a unique tech that to this film. The U.S. E. Nomad was awesome. Um, I, I love that. Uh, kind of the details always bring these things home. The, the at one point the kids watching an anime cartoon, and you can see the anime cartoon is the U.S. E. Nomad, which is fun. Uh, it's also neat to note, you know, note, note him putting in anime to that. Also, the tech um, that can access your brain activity after someone dies, it was really cool. And it was crucial to the end end of the scene. Uh, that's something that's not new to this film. I was actually reading, uh, it's gonna be about to get real nerdy here, Doug, but like I was reading an old uh, Star Wars comic where Darth Vader actually um, goes to Padme's uh, like grave remains and he was actually able to read her thoughts to get her last things. That's canon too, that's definitely canon. But um, but yeah, there's these details and just that whole thing. But. Uh, yeah, where was I? Sympathy for robot, robots, text. I was talking the whole thing, but I think I want to I want to steer us towards um, emotion because I think that's what also got me. I uh, I th- there was two relationships that were so crucial to really bring this home, and it was the love story uh, with Maya and um, Josh, 
which they really went hard on how Josh felt about her. And I think that was so important to, to bring it at home. And then the relationship, the growing relationship between uh, little Sim, uh, which I love the name and Joshua. And I just thought they, they, they made it work. And I've seen people say the opposite, but I, to me, I was buying that emotion. I was buying those relationships. And once you buy into those, it, it, it works and it, it, it was affecting to me. Did, did, how, how did you feel about those relationships and how they, how they brought them to life? Uh, it got me. And what was interesting is with Maya, there was, we weren't built up to that point. We were in it from the beginning of the movie. They were in love. We knew, we knew after a few moments that he was, you know, infiltrating them. And so that was going to cause conflict. Uh, but I, I mean, I thought as well, I believed in that love and I could, and I thought that, um, Washington handled it really well with how he handled the character with his, like the way he went through life, just in this like total sense state of mourning. And, yeah. but, uh, when they get separated at the end and they put him on the, uh, they put him on the ship and take him off yeah. when they're restraining him. That really got me. That got me choked Kirk, up. That, that, do you mean, are you talking about the Kirk Spock moment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that got uh, me too. But uh yeah, I mean we've been given a lot of stories lately about the protector over a child. <laughs> we, we have two different versions of Pedro Pascal doing it, but uh, <laughs> so it's like it's it's nothing new to us, but at the same time the minute the way it managed to grip me in this film, um yeah. especially with the kind of like the whole uh the kind of chosen one uh yeah. aspect of it, that really got me. Yeah, it was really cool when um when they when they come upon the chosen one the first time they're sitting there watching TV in that vault that was awesome, um just amazing do- job by that young young actress uh, uh Madeline Una Voles I hope I said it right um Gareth said uh um when in an interview I saw that she was super shy and timid and he really encouraged uh, J D as he called him uh, John David Washington who just he's just a stud of an actor unsurprisingly. Um, he, he wanted him to find a personal connection uh, with, with the child so that they had that real personal connection. And they really did uh, forge, forge that on set. Um, he really became her big brother. And it was, it was, he was describing how it was almost too much because, uh, um, you know, t- times when John David uh, was trying to get like his head ready for, for the shoot or something, you know, she would walk up to him and like hold his hand or try to play with him or something like that. But just that uh, she did so so amazing i thought it was just uh, uh, such such an affecting um you know i just think of her smile at the end and just just like just i just i was really really taken by how i just with uh, uh, ch- children actors actors and actresses they just they can floor me sometime with the, the range of emotion they're able to to you know pull out and then and just it just tap into or or something i just don't understand it and it just it just awes me and this kid was really really special i thought i agree and i i don't know if we've been left well i guess we could probably talk about that later but i don't know if yeah. we've been left with uh someone who could continue to considering what happens at the end carry this franchise forward i don't know if it's going to be a franchise and i am okay with that in this day and age, I love nothing more. And I think I mentioned this when we did the Yasuke uh, podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
I like when the door is open to possibility, but we are not spoon fed a direct like here comes the sequel. Uh, if this movie were to stand on its own and never have a sequel, I am completely OK with that. If they decide they want to take it in a new direction, I'm also OK with that. Yeah, I agree. I um, I, I, I love standalone, like kind of like miniseries things uh, more than ever, because I just I feel sometimes I, I feel the force of, 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 of second seasons. And I feel like, you know, sometimes these these you know, writers and, and creators and showrunners are so brilliant. You know, they can go on and just come up with new ideas. But sometimes I'm like, you know, you can feel the the the, the need for them to try to create new things. And it just, it does, it's not, it doesn't feel as natural to the original creation. Um, Want to give some love to Alison Janey. I just thought she was, I, we don't see her in roles like this. And she just, she just absolutely crushed it. She was vicious. She showed, you know, um, enough emotion that you kind of related to her. Um, but she's vicious. I, I will say this. I went down um, one of my COVID things that I watched. I, I did all of West Wing. And I won't speak, you know, it's good and bad at times, the whole thing. But she's just awesome in it. And I just, I, I, since then, I've just really taken anything she's she's done. She, she's done tons of great work. She's awesome. I mean, uh, I forgot, too, at one point I was enjoying the film so much that I forgot Ken uh, Watatabi was actually in the movie because he's in the beginning. And then we get a big break and then he comes back and he has a major role as uh, uh, towards the end. And I totally forgot in this, uh, as I'm talking about the cast, I want to say one more. Um, it's great to see Sturgill Simpson out there really acting, acting these days. He, I mean, he had a really cool scene and uh, in role in Righteous Gemstones, which is, which was, they just had an amazing season. And, and this, he's um, Josh's best friend and, I think it's awesome. What a terrific musician. It's cool to see him out there. Any thoughts on the cast, Doug? I agree with you about Allison Janney. She blew me away. I haven't, I, haven't, I don't have a lot of experience seeing her and stuff. I really loved her in I, Tanya. Yeah. Uh, always been a huge fan of Ken Watanabe's. Um, and Sturgill Simpson, I know he is like a big fan of a similar aesthetic. Um, from Sound and Fury, and I knew yeah. that he was well. I mean, he he was well placed in that he was that that rugged character he played. But at the same time, in the backdrop of everything that was happening, those beautiful sets, those beautiful scenes, um, I thought like these characters were very well placed in their roles and helped yeah. to you know, feed that aesthetic. Um, and also, Gemma Chan was great as Maya. Absolutely, uh, they got Mark uh, Menchaca who played McBride. Uh, shout out to him. He did a really good job. Is that fantastic? Awesome. Absolutely. I keep going back to the the uh, tribute, not tropes, because there's so many different things. Kind of like some of that that team that that Allison Janney had could be ripped straight out of like almost even Avatar and stuff. And just like all these different pieces put in, and this it's kind of like this fun mashup of all these things I've loved for so so many years. And it's got all like you mentioned it earlier, all the different aspects it has, and to like be one of these great. Um, you know, uh, uh, action sci-fi movies, you need a little bit of humor. And it did have a little bit of humor. My favorite was the, uh, the translator. At one point, the translator, even they were translating during the fact that uh, she, she's um, yelling something and it goes, please make love to yourself and also make love to your mother, which is another way to say fuck you. And that got me. I mean, they didn't actually go too hard on the humor, which is, which is great. It's a serious movie, but it needs to be a part of these other uh other things um run something on high emotion without having those occasional breaks to break yeah. up the but uh sure. also the way they created dread uh especially with nomad uh nomad i had seen was 
uh, inspired both by uh, Soul from Akira, both the graphic uh -huh. movie. Yep. But also I found out that um, the production designer and uh, Gareth Edwards had talked about what Soul is supposed to be like. And one of the inspirations was that giant bird of prey from Pink Floyd's The Wall. That That's down. Yes. Apparently that played a major influence on creating the Nomad because Nomad with that blue light coming around was supposed to be like a bird of prey circling before it moves in for the kill. That's incredible. So that 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 tension building that they had, that creating that dread was real. That really worked for me. Yeah, no, Nomad was uh, like it just you could feel like this ever present thing that was creeping up. It was it was crazy. Well, so let's talk let's talk the ending real quick. Um, I talked about that Kirk and you, we talked about that Kirk and Spock moment. Um, but again, the the emotion, the emotional impact, kind of brought it home for me uh, a little bit because you know the the way they were able to bring Maya back and have them you know, have, have their final moments and, you know, uh, not to get too deep on it, but like, is if, if you're having these, 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 yeah, as you get older, you think about kind of, you know, who, who you would want to be with at the end, you know, especially, or even think about like something, say like an, uh, kind of apocalyptic moment or something crazy happens in, in the world around you. And, you know, it, things are coming, crashing down and, you know, you don't want to be yourself. Who do you want to be with? And he wanted to be with Maya, and that's beautiful. And it just that that and like I believed that he wanted to be with Maya, and that's that's the that's the thing that makes it makes it work. I mean, I did see not to bring up the criticism too much, but I did see someone kind of bring up the fact that um, you know it did feel like there's multiple endings and endings and endings, and that that's true. But I thought they were all landing, um, but the emotional one got me the most, and whether it was the, the division between him and Little Sims and then his kind of reunion with, with Maya, I just, I was taken by it and it got me. What'd you think at the end? It, it got me too. I, I loved, you know, that they got to have their final goodbye. And then meanwhile, Alfie is just standing before all the people in that beautiful landscape. Yeah, and cool. her. I, I thought it was very satisfying. Again, uh, we get closure enough that I said, okay, if this is all we ever see of these characters, I'd be happy with that. And they are a family, like that's their daughter. Uh, not the real daughter, but the, you know, as real as can be because she basically made a prototype of her actual embryo. That's um, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And I, uh, I don't know, I, it, it did, I, I don't. I, I knew I, it struck me as a little bit, uh, and I'm not trying to put a damper on this beautiful moment. It just no, it, it, it did see similarities between the ending of Rogue One and this, but it, it was completely yeah. different emotional. Oh level. wow, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're right, though, definitely. And I think that speaks to what I was talking about when I was getting all romantic about. It's just like, I mean, they dying in the arms of someone you really care about and going out together whether it's in a sci-fi movie or another movie, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, not everyone gets that. We, a lot of people, I would say the majority of people maybe go out of this earth on their own. And if you're able to look at and hold the person you love and go out, that's fucking beautiful, man. I'm not, <laughs> not afraid to get too romantic. So what we had also in this movie is another great use of Radiohead music in, in a movie. So I was doing a little digging and I was trying to find out because it's crazy. It's almost ubiquitous how much music uh, radiohead music is used in film and television and i i look like i found out that it's been in 59 movies or in television that seemed low to me does that seem like a low number to you 59 uh films plus television shows to for radiohead music feels low um 
maybe more than 20 years ago. I would, well, I mean, obviously, it's a lot, a lot of those happened in the last 20 years. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I think only now we're coming to terms with Radiohead's influence on our culture. Yeah. And so, yes, today in 2023, it seems low. <laughs> it seems it seems low. I, was, I wanted to mention a couple of the, the, the kind of great uses over time. Children of Men, um, they use life as a glass house in a major way. That's also another film that I'm sure influenced this film, Children of Men. Definitely. Um, Romeo and Juliet's got that exit music, exit music for a film thing. Uh, Vanilla Sky has the famous use of everything in its right place. This, that's what was used in this one. Uh, my favorite is Six Feet Under. Uh, they use Lucky, the song Lucky, in a major, major cool way. Um, cool. I just, I, I, I was, yeah, you have any closing thoughts to pull us in? I, I just, I really, really enjoyed this in, in film. It was, it was great. Um, I obviously we're in agreement. We both loved this movie. We went into it wanting to like it, and we both left the theater loving. We did it. go and want to like it, yeah. Having theaters primarily to ourselves, but I uh, <laughs> that thing away from the story. My final thought is this: I know this movie only cost eighty million to make, and uh, Gareth Edwards gets into how it was called um, guerrilla indie movie making. He went to the locations he wanted first, and then kind of reverse engineered, like building the CGI and the effects after that, rather than building sets. And so it was really impressive that, he that. this low. However, yeah. because it's still um, performing underwhelmingly at the box office, I mean, it might catch up to its budget soon with the international box office, but um, right now it's being considered a disappointment, and that bums me out. And I saw some people say that because this is not a uh, recognized IP, like it's it's not a big tentpole franchise like a Harry Potter or Star Wars or Marvel, that it wasn't able to grip audiences uh, the way it could have. And I do hope that's not the case because I would hate to think that movies like this don't get made anymore and directors like Edwards won't take big swings if they go into it thinking, well, unless I have some major franchise attached to this property, it's yeah. not going to deliver. Um, because this was a very impressive original sci-fi movie that I think oh. nerds like you and me have been waiting for. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, we want. I think. I think. I think more and more, as kind of uh, Marvel feels more watered down and the Star Wars universe expands for better or worse, no matter you know wherever you stand on that, original uh, films that that do have. I mean, original films that are still familiar enough using all the influences and, and ideas that we have are just so special and, and they're rare. And it's uh, it, that's why I'm grateful for this film in that way. I also found it thought broken in a lot of ways. We talked about the commentary, but also when, if you do talk a little bit about AI, I mean, it did, you know, this AI that was trying to live with us harmoniously, there's a lot of fear of AI right now. And I think it's probably rational. But I mean, there is a thought in this movie that that lingers long. Maybe our, our fear of AI might be irrational. So yeah, not only was it gorgeous to look at, it's thought provoking. It's like we said, it's funny. The action's really, really intense. I would really urge, I can't imagine anyone who is listening to this hasn't seen it, but if you hadn't, you got to see it in the theater. I mean, the explosions just tear through you in an amazing, amazing, amazing way. I um it is a shame that it's a disappointment because I think I would love to see I can't wait to see what uh what Edwards does next. I'm dying. I hope he doesn't make us wait seven years. I I was hoping this would be a huge success so that he would get kind of creative freedom to do whatever he wants because he's obviously he's such a gifted filmmaker. But 
he did it. He, you know, put out a gem here and I'm glad to celebrate it here with you and talk about it. So thank you, Doug. I appreciate your time and talking about this film. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here again. Absolutely. We'll talk next time. And thank you everyone out there for once again, joining the party. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.